there. Welcome to Further Every Day, the podcast where we discuss the current events happening in our world from the Christian worldview and perspective. But here's the catch. Each one of us is doing so from a specific point of view within the Christian worldview. Everyone here is sitting in a chair with the label and the perspective from which they are speaking on the topics of the day, or shall we say the chair. To my right is Miss Nikki Pomeroy, sitting in the chair of theology. Theology. (laughs) (laughs) You took me by surprise there. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? Doing all right. And to my left, I've got Josh Gilbert sitting in the chair of... I'm sitting in the chair of culture. Hi. Also, how are you doing, John Arthur? Doing good. You caught me this time. Okay, you didn't let me pass it off. All right. And then we got on his left, we've got Daniel sitting in the chair of politics. Good morning. How are y'all doing? Doing good. Glad to hear it. And then across from Daniel on the opposite side of the table, closer to uh, me, I've got uh, Mr. Charlie Pomeroy. How are you today, sir? We are doing great. We're sitting in the chair of philosophy, so we're going to try to bring things from a truth perspective. The teleological, epistemological, ontological arguments, etc. Excellent. And I'm your host, Jonathan Fiala, and I'm sitting in the chair of Christian Economics. The uh, uh, peculiar chair, the ugly duckling. But with that said, we'll have some fun with this chair. Now, uh, Josh is bringing us a story about vaccines. Yes, I am bringing a story about vaccines. This week, big news in the way of vaccines. People, specifically the mask mandate. People who are vaccinated no longer are required to wear masks from CDC mandate. And there's a story coming out of ABC News about that that kind of addresses that. But for me, approaching this issue, I more so wanted to get into the fact of the reception that came from this news that the CDC came out with. Because up until this point, we've seen people say we should follow the CDC and follow their guidelines, follow the science. But yet I saw so many people outraged when the CDC came through with this ruling. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea why. So I'd like to just read a, maybe a little bit of a brief part of this article, if I could. So coming out of ABC News. Fully vaccinated Americans can return to life without masks, CDC says. The update marks a sweeping change in CDC guidance for vaccinated Americans. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention has amended its guidance for fully vaccinated Americans, no longer recommending masks indoors or outdoors, including in crowds, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky announced at a White House briefing Thursday. And yeah, I would pass it off to you. All right, so we're going to go around the room. We're going to do our first one of three rounds. Everyone give their hot take, starting with the uh, political chair. Daniel, 10-second hot take on this topic. Well, first off, this is what Republicans have been saying throughout all of COVID, like masks, at most, John Arthur pointed out earlier, like 8% effective at most. And if you're below 20, what is your chance of death? Almost zero. So why? Going around the room to the uh, chair of philosophy, Charlie Pomeroy. This is a tough, tough topic. And I, and I will say that what Josh brought out is spot on right. Uh, and I agree with him. Why? Why, do, why is there such outrage about this against CDC, but from a truth perspective, you know, when it comes to taking care of our bodies, what does the Bible say about it? Oh, and that's, that's 
I think that's ultimately where we need to dig down a little bit. And it's always down to the purpose. What is the purpose of the mask? What's the purpose of the mandate? The theological chair, Ms. Pomeroy. Well, it's very interesting because first off, um, I think that there is still a power thing here. Uh, control telling you that you don't have to wear a mask if you're fully vaccinated. Well, you also now have created a divisive line to those who have chosen not to get vaccinated or who can't get vaccinated one way or the other. So you've created, created this divide now, and who is going to mandate? Who's going to watch over it? Who's going to say, oh, that person's not wearing a mask? How are you going to check me? We're going to enforce it with a gun. And exactly. And so from the economic standpoint, the Christian economic standpoint, I, I'm, I'm going to play to the science here. The science in April of 2020 said that masks were only marginally effective and the transmission was not. Uh, there were a lot of people coming out saying this may not be airborne. It might be surface borne more so than airborne. And those people were immediately shut down with a religious zealot. And I think that's because we wanted to tank our economy. If you tank the American economy, which, by the way, is the closest thing to heaven on earth you're ever going to get, you're not going to get uh, co uh, communism to work, only the free market, which acknowledges man's sinful nature, uh, they're, they're going to try to topple that so they can get their utopia, uh, which would be communism. Now, that's my, my hot take. So from a cultural perspective, we're going to start going around the room again. Uh, give us a couple seconds here, Josh, or a minute or two on your, your thoughts. So big picture here, I was mentioning the reception. The problem with relative truth is that when you invite the idea of following your heart, do what's best for you, hey, just focus on you. When you do that, you get the reception to this news that we got from the public, which was people outraged that the CDC lifted the, the mask mandate. Because the thing was, it was never about science. It was they, they, the science is telling the CDC, hey, we should lift the mask mandate. And they're mad at the science. No, they're mad because it doesn't follow the truth that they believe. So to me, what this highlights is the flaws in relative truth and how as a culture we need to stray away from that relative truth and get rooted in something more foundational and solid so that we can actually have something to base upon things and also reflect back upon yep. so wow that's very very good amen moving on to the political chair Politics is downstream of culture. Culture is downstream of philosophy, which is downstream of theology. So you're down at the bottom of the uh, uh, the, the pile here. <laughs> what does this do for True. the? What's the Christian's response to this change and this shift up? Well, so when coming at it from like a strictly political view, what did you see a lot of the Democrat leaders doing? even during the lockdowns. You saw them going out to restaurants not wearing masks. You saw them doing all of these things, being out in public without masks. Like it's because they understand the science and they were trying to spread their narrative of, okay, if you don't wear a mask, you're stupid. Like that's not true. The science says masks are marginally effective 
at best, if at all. And the way Americans are wearing masks today, like having it in the glove box, bringing it out, sticking it in your dirty pockets, completely ineffective whatsoever. Even like when the mask mandate was there, the CDC had very specific guidelines on it. If you touch the face of your mask at all while wearing it or before you put it on, it is ineffective completely. Well, null and void. Not even ineffective. It's actually counterproductive exactly. because you, you actually now have a, uh, a situation where you put that surface-based virus on Correct. the surface of your mouth Correct. through the mask. But yes, yeah, very good. And so just to sum that up, what's the Christian's response to this, you think? Um, I actually don't know what it would be. I could speculate many things. But specifically, I don't know. I, I think that's a, you know, that's a tough answer. You know, it's because tough one. when you talk about this from a philosophical point of view, we're searching for truth. Well, okay, we know from God's, God can heal. He can speak it and it's done. Roman centurion, one of the greatest examples. He's got a, he's got a servant back home. Jesus is willing to go and heal him and centurion says no i'm not worthy but speak the word only so we know and he does so we know that god can heal if he wants but does that mean that we shouldn't use medicine we should just wait for god to supernaturally heal us i don't think that's the way that god works all the time that is not the way that god works all the time he gives us the knowledge to be able to use medicine to to help heal us What's what's interesting on this, and this is why I understand where Daniel's coming from. What is the answer on that from a Christian perspective? What is the answer on that? Many of us sit here and we understand that we look at this and we go, this is government control. This is, uh, for some, we believe this is out and out breach. So at what point is, is the, the frog in the water, do you jump out and you say, no. I think that is the quintessential question and the, the tough part where the Christian has to step in yes, and figure it out. But from a philosophical point of view, this is a hard one. This oh, is yeah. very hard. I think the question always comes to, again, what is the purpose of, of their activity? But uh, very, very good. Moving on to Mrs. Pomeroy in the Chair of Theology. People are blindly running to get this vaccine because they're putting their trust into the government. Um, it's appointed on, on, to man once to die. I'm going to die at the appointed time. Now, we need to be careful. But let me ask you this question. If you're fully vaccinated and I'm not, who's in danger of getting the, the COVID, me or you? Actually, both. But uh, the theory would be the person who's not vaccinated. But the answer is both. But keep going. Well, and we've had, I saw on CBS that a doctor came out and said, we don't need everyone to be vaccinated for this to take, mm -hmm. you know, to cut down on COVID. Herd humanity. So why are we pushing this? And the last thing I want to say, and when we get back to the science, um, I work with a 24-year-old girl at work, young lady, and she said, there are no long-term studies on the effects of COVID. And you're asking me at 24 to get a vaccine that we don't know how it's going to be in 10 years for me. Exactly. Exactly. And and that's the that that's the breaking point for me is we do not know this is unprecedented. 
And when you look at COVID is serious, okay, don't misunderstand me, but I was talking to uh, a friend, you know, I've got family in the medical industry, et cetera, medical professionals who will say, look, barring clotting, COVID is totally, we can lock that down easy. As far as the respiratory difficulty, we can lock that down with uh, uh, steroids, with anti-inflammatory steroids. You can do that. Like dexamethasone immediately was 30% uh, uh, or it was, uh, excuse me, it was like 70% effective right out the bat. Um, budesonide. Uh, I've talked to many people. So it brings me to my chair. Why did people ignore the clear and obvious data in favor of this slice of science that favors one narrative. I'm going to say it is economic, it is political, and it is power structure based. It's also in time based. Yes. Uh, I, I don't think necessarily that we, we know that we're in the end times, but things are interesting from a Christian, Christian perspective. The one world government they want to bring that around because what, what, what the government's doing is they're competing with the business owner, with the manager. I talk to people all over. I've, I've been all over the, the U.S. in the last few weeks. I've been, I'm going to North Carolina tomorrow. I've been in uh, uh, all over. Every, every manager I talk to at hotels, they tell me we're competing for the unemployment checks mm -hmm. because the unemployment is so high plus the stimulus checks. They're competing with the government. What the, what the government is doing here is they are competing with the business owner for a vote saying, we can do better than your business, uh, uh, your boss. And if you just give us your vote is the unspoken agreement. Mm -hmm. And that's not economically sustainable. That's not moral mm -hmm. because it's really robbing, not only it's actually robbing from the people who are taking the checks, but more so it's robbing for the people who were responsible, who went out, took a risk, built a business, did all of the work, and it's stealing from them. I think ultimately, those are really good points, but ultimately, isn't this all about good versus evil? It is. It's, it's really where it's all at. And I think, it, you know, from a philosophical point of view, the question that needs to be asked is capitalism good? Capitalism that, is neutral. Well, and the thing is, when you look at, at uh, the days of Jesus, how is that operated? Uh, and so... It's a neutral. It's a neutral yeah. thing. And by the way, I, I, I would argue, I would argue that communism is neutral, morally neutral. The tenets held by the people who are inflicting it upon the poor, upon the upon the lower class are evil. But you look at the the idea for communism, everyone giving out that is a morally neutral stance. How you employ it based on your worldview is the problem. And the thing thing is for you to really believe that you can make that happen with unregenerate man is you have to believe that man is basically good. And from that point you fall yep. every time. Let me interject here because I know uh, a couple that he lost his job at the beginning of COVID. And they took all the, uh, what the mortgage company gave them and the, the car payments that were all put on hold for a whole year. They haven't made a mortgage payment in a whole year on their house. He still doesn't have a job. They're going to lose that house because those type of credits are coming to an end. And I do want to say that when, when they lose everything, they're going to rely more on the government. So the promises that are coming down 
are, I believe, strategic here that we want, the government wants you to rely on them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I was, was going to say, want to wrap up real quick with the last uh, uh, 10 second hit from the chair of politics, Daniel, before you leave us, Daniel's got to go. Uh, give us your quick wrap up on the pol political and you can kind of veer over into the other chairs for just a sec. Yeah. So like I said before, like since the beginning, what did you see the Democrat leaders doing, the Democrat politicians doing? Going out without masks, doing all of these things because they understand they are not the ones at risk. The people who are actually at risk, underlying diseases and the elderly. If you are below 30, I would argue the chances of dying are almost zero from COVID. If you are below 40, it's almost zero. If you are below 50 even, it's about 1%. That's it. So why are we focusing on fear Purple. instead of focusing on how to isolate it? Might it be from political gain? Probably so. One might imagine. Thank you, One Daniel. One might think. It's been fun. One might think. We'll catch you next time. And moving on to Josh's wrap-up. So I was, I was on my phone because I was trying to look for this thing I saw about the Christian perspective on this. And it was the, I think it's a really, I think it's probably the best way to go about it from a Christian perspective. But it was that if I have to wear a mask to share the gospel with somebody or make somebody feel more comfortable to share the gospel, I'm going to wear a mask. Mm -hmm. Especially but, if you disagree with it and mm -hmm. you still wear the mask. Mm -hmm. That's so, always been my bet. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so... The fact of the matter is we are we should be definitely seeking out that these people and if it requires us to wear masks sure if it doesn't awesome but in relation to this news from a culture perspective man we need to stop we need to stray away from this relative truth from this personal truth and we need to get rooted in something more foundational mm -hmm. moving over to the chair of philosophy well josh's points are if you want the opportunity to to witness to somebody, you know, you're, you're going to need to do do what needs to be done. You need to sacrifice that. And you know, I, I think it's an issue of good versus evil. I think that's what really what's what's all behind it. And you know, guys, it, you you can take any tool, any system. And do good with it you can also do evil with it and as christians we need to do what's right amen moving on to the chair of theology mrs pomeroy i think we need to be careful about who we give our our power over to do we want the lord to lead us or do we want the government to lead us and i think you need to be very prayerful in how you move forward on this amen amen and again from the economic chair i'm going to say this the actual science and data and evidence, whenever someone suppresses evidence, I, because it doesn't fit the narrative, that always raises the little hairs on the back of my head to say, what is your motive? What is your motive? Is it good or is it evil? Almost invariably, it's, it's for evil. But the economic ruin and destruction, there are those who would say that the death toll is higher from the economic destruction. It's indisputable that suicides are up astronomically. Mm -hmm. We have one county. I was listening to a news st story out of Arizona where one woman was 
distraught. She said, we need to look at our children. We would, before COVID, we'd have one, two or three suicides a semester. They're getting 400 calls a semester for suicide attempts for children who are locked up. It is an amazing mental health terrorist act that has been carried out by this uh, um, this fear mongering. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm going to be careful not to put intent on any one individual, although I could definitely uh, uh, guess about a few. But you look at the intent economically. I believe the intent was to destroy America's booming economy, never before seen prosperity. And we wanted to, if you, if you can collapse that, you are now set up for an end times one world government. I'll throw one more thing as we wrap this thing up. Uh, something that I think we need to be paying attention to is this. This is one reason why I'm not man, getting a vaccine early on. I'm not anti-vaccine. I've had vaccines. But in a situation like this, I think it's it's somewhat dangerous. I do appreciate what Trump did, trying to get a vaccine developed as quickly as possible. Got that. Trump didn't do that. He was pressured into doing well, it. But that's another conversation. That's, that's all well and fine. It, it doesn't matter to me who, who spearheaded it. But that that's good. But here's the deal. Uh, one of the stories that's starting to develop more and more is women and how it's affecting their cycles. Correct. And this, if you want to talk about a, <clears throat> excuse me, a backside narrative to this thing, talk about the population control issue. Exactly. The Bill Gates of this world the are all for it. The Malthusian eugenics and the ones who are pushing this towards minorities. They're pushing for minorities, just as they did with Margaret Sanger's Planned Parenthood, just as they did with uh, uh, Hitler's uh, death camps. By the way, Margaret Sanger, Hitler, uh, Margaret Sanger inspired Hitler uh, for those death camps. And then she realized, oh, darn, this is not politically feasible. But um, I digress. With that said, absolutely. Uh, when, when you have someone who wants, who wants to depopulate the world, handing out vaccines, I always pump the brakes and say, what are you doing? Maybe there's nothing there. I'm not anti-vax. I'm not big on gene therapy, though. Hmm. That's what the Pfizer and Moderna is. And, and um, but before we finish, I, I do know that Josh is fully vaccinated. No, I'm not yet. I'm in about on the 24th. Oh my goodness! Uh, tread carefully. I'll be the guinea pig. Well, I don't think it's you know I don't have a problem with other people getting the vaccine, but this this goes to the the philosophical. What's right? What's the for Josh? Yeah, you know, for Josh, that's right. For others, for those that are high risk, it's right. I don't disagree with any of that. I I think it's it's an issue that we need to seek the Lord out. And 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 really come to an agreement with him about what is and what isn't. But what I'm saying is, I think you know when you go to the purpose, and it's ironic that that some Christians will talk about you believe in all those conspiracy theories and you should. Okay, maybe I want to be aware and alert. I should be aware and alert to what's going on around me. It doesn't mean I bury my head in the sand and leave it. Well, there's obviously there's obviously a conspiracy. The Capitol was reached January 6th. There was a huge amount of conspiracy. There's someone saying that the election was fixed in 16. 
Someone's saying it was faked in 2020. There's obviously a conspiracy. The question is, is what's true? Right. And there are two sides. The question is, which side matches the facts? And with just an agreement with Josh, people are not looking for truth anymore. Mm. That's the problem is that we're accepting what's being told to us. That's why I'm very concerned about the vaccine. Accepting what's being told to us without it being backed up. Yeah. For me, whenever I got the vaccine, I got the vaccine. It's like I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm like everybody where I'm skeptical of the, the long-term effects, sure. But to me, it wasn't really about me whenever I made the decision. It was about the fact of I have a mom. She's high risk. Uh, I think it would make her more comfortable. Definitely make definitely made her feel more comfortable. And she already had a bout. And she already had a bout. Right. And she already had a bout. Yeah, that's nearly got her. So it it goes back to the fact of, hey, we should if it's a if it's a gospel opportunity, we should do it. But at the same time, I'm happy with this news. I think that this is great news. Sure. I think finally those closed states who killed their economy early on and have continued to kill their economy are gonna they're paying a price they're, pay, they're gonna pay yeah I and mean, we'll, we'll actually be able to see in a few years at least down the road when we look at demographics and see what happened to the populations of those states if that information isn't uh fiddled with and suppressed but but let's go ahead and move on to the next topic uh again josh ever with the culture wants to bring up dogecoin again this week let's go yes so I didn't. Re- so I. So did, first of all, did anybody see what happened with Tesla and Elon Musk? Totally missed it. Okay. So Elon Musk made this announcement, by the way, through Twitter. Through Twitter, thought it was funny about his company Tesla, that said they were no longer going to be accepting Bitcoin as payment. Ooh. What? But and the reason and the reasoning for not and the reasoning for not accepting Bitcoin as payment was because it wasn't ecologically friendly. Even though, even though, even though, because apparently something with the mining is not ecologically friendly. Even though I've I've been reading up on this, apparently it actually has ecologically it actually doesn't even affect. There's nothing. There's nothing to to suggest that. But I, I wanted to read this article because. It really it asked like essentially the question, is Elon Musk manipulating the markets? Okay, Musk has Doge on a lease on a leash. Is he a manipulator? Whatever his intent to make money or to play games, Musk is putting huge is putting Doge holders in a uniquely vulnerable position. Elon Musk and Tesla have a uniquely outsized influence on the price movements for Bitcoin and Dogecoin in recent days and weeks. Through a series of announcements, tweets, and Saturday Night Live quips, the electric car maker and its CEO have sent those prices on wild rides and likely helped juice the overall crypto market. But some might wonder whether all that signaling amounts to market manipulation. Musk has a track record of recklessness here. Having paid a $20 million fine to the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission in 2018 over misleading tweets about Tesla stock. But whether out of bounds or not, Musk adventures through crypto land cast important light on how token markets work and on larger questions of market influence in the social media age. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay. And and just to give some stats about what happened to Bitcoin, as somebody who holds Bitcoin, Bitcoin went from, I think it was about... 
It, I think it was at fifty five thousand a coin whenever it was whenever before this news, right before this news, and then after the news, it was at like forty seven thousand a coin. Mm-hmm. Dropped eight thousand. Quite, you know. So okay, I'm 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 gonna jump in and give my economic take because this is clearly an economic story in addition to cultural, and we'll come back to you get your hot take and your run. Uh, with that said, I'm gonna just say. The art of the Tesla. You're looking at the next uh, uh, venture capitalist millionaire president uh, or billionaire president. Uh, this guy is not only positioning himself for for that kind of visibility, but I think he also has the moxie to do it. Uh, clearly, what he's doing is is interesting. I, I don't know if I'd call it unscrupulous, but he's shrewd. Oh, very much so. He's incredibly shrewd. Going over to the chair of culture and then we'll work our way around. So from a cultural standpoint, I think this goes back to what we were talking about last week with the hype mm-hmm. and following that hype and what happens when you follow the hype is that this guy, you have somebody who's the founder or not the founder, but actually I found this out. This is something I didn't mention last week, but apparently he has, he has involvement with Doge. Of course he does. Of course he does. <laughs> of course he has something to do with the development of Dogecoin. Why not? But- but when a guy who has that type of influence on something can just say, boom, we're not accepting it, $8,000 lost, $8,000 value lost, I think it, it is cause for concern. With, and it should, you should be asking yourself the question, am I following the hype or do I really think that this is a good investment? Absolutely. 10-second hot take. Uh, philosophically, we need to understand What's behind? What's the motivation here? What is it? Should I be part of that or not? Mm-hmm. That's that's the bottom line question. Should I be part of that or not? Absolutely. And I and again, I guess I would wonder what is how moral is to him to do that? I I, I don't know. I, I would say it's neutral. I I'll say this real quick before you jump over to Nikki. He's not the only manipulator. Oh yeah. George Soros is probably one of the biggest. Oh. Warren, Warren Buffett. Buffett. Warren Buffett. What he did during the 2008 financial crisis, whenever he, I mean, I I'm not even going to mention it, but if you you can look it up, yeah, he essentially manipulated the housing market so that he came out on top mm-hmm. investment wise. Mm-hmm. Because guess what? He's in bed with the big banks, obviously. Of course, so. you capitalism is a neutral system. You have immoral people in it. Immoral things happen. Yep. Well, the love of money is the root of all evil, and we can put in there the love of power. Mm-hmm. And this is what it, they're doing. It is money and it is power. And we see it in politics. We see it in big business like this. And he, like you said earlier, he is setting himself up. He has got a plan. And he's going to follow through with it. I guess you and, could say he, the, the, the stars are the limit. Wow. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. So let's unpack. Do we want to go ahead and unpack this a little bit deeper or do you think we've hit it? I I don't really have an in-depth cultural take other than the the follow the hype and a continuation of last week. I just think that I more so had an economic take with this where be smart with your investments. (laughs) Understand who's backing your investments. When Jesus comes back to take the talents that he that he lent you, make sure you have more of them <laughs> than less of them, and that includes money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, philosophical. I, I I think we just again. I think there needs to be an awareness. Do you want to be part of something like that? And you know, when you when you see something like that, 
you can kind of deduce what's being done and why. Mm-hmm. You know, you you don't have to be a rocket scientist. And as a Christian, as you know, from the philosophical philosophical point of view, I don't think I would be buying into that. No, because I don't want to be part of. I'm speaking for myself here. I don't want to be part of a situation where other people are going to potentially be hurt very seriously by it, by another move. And you know what they but do? Isn't that what you do every time someone trades on the stock market? You yes. And and let you're, me just say this though. You're, you're you're cutting you're cutting and you are feeding it all in the same go. Every but day. you're talking about something here with Bitcoin and Dogecoin that are extremely high volume, high value, way up there. So a move of 8,000, that's, that's big. It's substantive. Yeah. When, you, when you're talking about something like you're investing in paper, that, no, that's a, a stable commodity that, you know, it, it's, going to, it's going to flush out one way or the other, even if things move significantly one day. This here, this, this is, to me, this is all about money. Oh, yeah. First. And they won't. And here's the thing. They'll tell you, oh, our company is no longer accepting Bitcoin. But the thing they won't tell you is, is that once they dip the price on it, they're going to buy a millions of dollars of Bitcoin. Yeah, smart. But they won't tell you about that. that. Yeah. Hey, I would do that if I were I an mean, unscrupulous uh, uh, individual. But yes, moving on to Mrs. Pongwin. Be educated while you invest. You just need to educate yourself and be aware that, you know, it may not go the way you think it's going to go. So educate yourself. Invest wisely. And be prepared to lose some time. What, what, what's that uh, proverb? Something to the effect of uh, an inheritance gained overnight will not be blessed. Yes. Something something to that effect. That, that's the uh, John Arthur Fiala paraphrase. But, uh, okay, just to wrap up from the economic chair, I'd say, again, I'd echo everyone else's st- uh, sentiment. It's okay to be shrewd, but the question is, how are you hurting people? Mm-hmm. How are you hurting people? So with that in mind... Do we have time for one more? One more fifty. Yeah, we got about ten minutes here. Okay, let's go ahead and run to the last story of the morning. Here, we're looking at a story from the Epic Times. Yes, I know, a very partisan website, but they do have an interesting little story here. This is uh, uh, Texas Governor Abbott says intercepted fentanyl at U.S. border saw an eight hundred percent increase. Uh, as opposed to, well, let's get into the story. Texas Governor Abbott said on Friday the amount of fentanyl uh, the U.S. border agents intercepted on the Texas-Mexico border has increased by 800% in April compared to the same month in the previous year. But I got to tell you, uh, there's a new dynamic about what's going on at the border that Americans need to know about, and that is increased apprehension of fentanyl coming across the border, says Abbott during an interview with Fox News. Yes, there may be people coming across the border, but there are also dangerous drugs coming across the border. So, and I'm, I'm actually going to say that the, that the fentanyl is the least of our worries. The majority of the folks who've been coming across the border, uh, you know, the statistic has been longstanding. It's, if it's not a plurality, it is a majority, Middle Eastern and others. I have no problem against, come, 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 come legally. I don't care where you come from. If you come legally to uh, give to the American experiment, great. But if you're from the Middle East and we haven't vetted you and you're from a high-risk uh, nation, nations say that uh, bombed the World Trade Centers, I believe the majority of those who bombed the World Trade Centers were here illegally. 
They were smuggled in through Canada or Mexico. Let us take caution. Let us take caution. And uh, uh, I'm going to go ahead and open up for the quick take around the room before I get to my economic view. Culturally, what do you think this says about elections and about uh, about our border, Josh? I think what this says, and I'm going to propose a reasoning for why the numbers are the way that they are. And I think this goes back, and, I, and it's, a, it's a wider problem. It's not something that Governor Abbott's just doing or the Republicans are doing. This is something that everybody does, is that they'll use numbers for their own personal gain, which is not bad, I guess, in some sense. For some other senses, it is bad. But you could reasonably explain the reason why the numbers are up is because everybody was locked down last year. So everybody was scared that if they went outside, they were going to die because nobody knew anything about COVID. So when there's an, I think it says there was a tenfold increase over the prior April when they apprehended about 17,000 people. Well, yeah, of course, because nobody was going outside. Uh, I'm, I don't, I, no, I, I'm not, I you don't know. It's like, that, yeah, you've got to make that argument with the rest of the statistics and facts, because the thing is drug use went up. ODs went up, not down because people were stuck at home. But so let's, let's remember this too. So when you take a look at what happened at the transition of, of President Trump to President Biden, what was the first thing that Biden did? Mm -hmm. Removed a lot of removed the a lot of the restrictions, especially for immigration. And so that that was a cataclysmic bullhorn call to all of Mexico and Central America, and I'm gonna even say some of South America, to come, I can, come. I, we I can, can go back further, that. even to Obama, between Obama and, and Trump. Who built the cages, Joe? Who built mm -hmm. the cages? Yeah, yeah, but, okay. uh, well, the, the other thing I wanna state there is when you have a group of people that absolutely want to get into the country, and you're one of those evil ones wanting a way to get your your agenda your product can i say it like that into the country you're going to do it on the backs of some of those people and that's exactly what's going on i think a number that could prove that whether which one of us is correct here i think a number that could prove that would be the 2019 of april number agreed because if we looked at that number that would have been pre-pandemic and that would have been that means that we probably get a better estimate of where this number stands sure yep and and, and that that would be worth looking at i don't see it in the story I don't here see it either. we'll have to go back and, yeah. and, and circle back to that but suffice it to say whether or not it's 800 700 percent versus yep. versus whatever it is increased drugs are up drugs are up and uh, I'm moving on to Mrs. Pomeroy from the Chair of Theology. Give us your 10-second hot take. They're not good for anybody. Not for the people coming over the border, not for the United States. The vetting is a security for everyone. There are some very good people that would make excellent American citizens that would move here. But the people that are here need to be protected from the people that are coming in that are criminals, that are going to bring more crime more corruption into the country. We need protection. The, does, gov the government is responsible to protect us and they're not doing it. They are looking for votes. According to, there you go. But according to the uh, to, to Romans, uh, why does the government wield the sword? To protect the people, to protect the people from this sort of thing. With that said, from the chair of economics, I'm just gonna pop out here and say, guess what would fix this problem? 
I have a solution for this whole problem, not for the immigration, but for the fentanyl. If you just deregulated and uh, decriminalized drugs and then criminalized criminal behavior while under drugs as with intent, any DUI that kills someone, how many times do we have to have let a, a high or drunk driver kill someone on the road before we say, okay, you can't drive anymore and you've spent 15 years of jail, they kill someone, they kill someone that is with intent and it's murder and it's easily provable. You just send them off. I'm, I'm sorry, this is a biblical view. You either paid in the Bible, you paid restitution or you were executed. It was a very mm -hmm. simple law system. You had to pay or, you, had, or you, you were killed. So with that said, drugs decriminalize them entirely and criminal acts done under the influence. Okay. That's where you could, because the crime against yourself, the crime against your own body is one thing, but almost invariably these people go out and commit crimes against other people. We shouldn't be worried about the crime they commit against their own body. We should put the fear of the law into those people. Then we would cut off the surge of fentanyl as far as the economic uh, burden that the immigrant or the migrant, illegal immigrant, let's, let's go with that. A surge is going to cause, it's going to be severe, dire, and painful for the long haul. And of course, Mrs. Pomeroy said it, they're importing a voting block. There's there's a lot of back things going on in other, there's there's organization here. Indeed. There's organization here. They're not there's, all coming here on their own. That's right. There's, there's a financial yes. structure supporting them. That's right. That was an interesting point. I, I thought about that for a while, about the legalization maybe of all drugs because it cuts down on illegal, or it, it, it de-incentivizes you from be doing illegal activities with drugs, obviously, because it's all legal. But who made the drugs illegal? Do you know? I don't know. Do you know do, do you know who paid in the nineteen twenties and thirties who funded all of that? The crime families. They were the ones that funded the moms, the the, the angry mom super PACs that pushed for the illegalization of marijuana. Hemp was made illegal because the DuPont family didn't want to have to have a natural competitor to their mm -hmm. synthetic nylon, rayon, etc. You, you look at what it is, it's, it all goes back to money, power, and good and evil. Yeah. Yes. It, it's always, it's always, it's always that. Do we have, do we have to wrap up? John? I think we do have to wrap up at a certain point. We're going to wrap up on, on this note. Uh, with that said, 10 second, go around the room real quick. Uh, Josh, cultural hot take. I don't know if I necessarily have a cultural hot take. I would say in general. Oh, actually, no. I don't, I don't have a cultural hot take. You don't have a cultural hot take? No cultural hot take. For fentanyl crossing the border? I mean, drugs are... Okay, don't drugs do bad drugs. Kids. Don't do drugs. <laughs> drugs are bad kids. Okay, very good. All right. Oh, All that right. was mine. Oh, weak. <laughs> All right, Mr. Pomeroy. Well, do what's right. You know, obviously. The, the points that you bring up, John Arthur, are, are, are good. Um, obviously, with our culture, we're not going to do that because it's so radically different. Uh, and because it it's be, godly. Yeah, it, it would be something that would not be embraced. Uh, but just like just like abolishing abortion would not be embraced, right? In, or abolishing slavery, right? Yeah, it, this is this topic here is really interesting, and I, I might add, I'm going to add one point here from a political standpoint. Uh, I'm not so sure that this goes in favor of the Democrats as much as what they'd like. This might end up burning them. But if 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 the church does her that's duty. Yep. If the church would just wake up 
and not care about the color of the people. And by the way, this does happen. This is not popular. But if when you don't, when you see a church that doesn't have a mixed community, that doesn't have tattoos sitting in the pews, there's something wrong with that church. If it's been there for a long time, there's something wrong, something sick about that church. You should be converting. And those people, they shouldn't be in their old life. They should be in their new. But if they have the scars of their old life, you know that you converted them. A church should look like a hospital. You should have people from all different stages of their walk with the Lord. So when you're talking about tattoos and different people, you should have people there that are uh, very mature in their Christian walk who are ministering to those that are just coming in, who are just been reborn and just learning to grow and making those mistakes. So you should your your church should look like a hospital. You should have people from different stages of their Christian walk. And if you don't, there is a problem. And about the drugs... Drugs are a mind-alternating medicine, and so you're saying we're going to hold you accountable if you commit a crime. The problem is, is that when they're on drugs, they're not being reasonable. So they could commit a crime, and if it's your sister or your your family member that is harmed with it, they can go to court and say, "Hey, well, I wasn't in my right frame of mind," and And they're not. But here's the thing: that that's where the law has to be written so that. If you take the drug, anything you do while under the influence is done with intent. That is the critical aspect. You cannot have deep. What we see is the deregulation and the decriminalization of these drugs without a penalty Mm. for the DUI. Mm. You have to have, if there's liberty, there has to be responsibility and there has to be a law that comes down on those who abuse the liberty. Liberties have to stand, but the law has to be enforced. And if I could... Because we're, we're coming up on our time. Yes, if, we are. If I could, I would like to end this on a beautiful story that I heard yesterday. I was at Hebrews Coffee House. Sure. And I got to talk with this lady who has this past. But I would like to mention it. There was this lady I talked to yesterday. She's an older lady. She's in her 60s, 70s. And she was just telling me about how when she was in her 30s and her 20s, she had done all these drugs and she was just not taking care of her children or her child. And she had a bad relationship with her husband and they got divorced and all these things. And then she saw this Baptist church or she, it didn't matter what the church, but she saw this Baptist church and she approached it and she went into it. She's like, I'm looking for my answers. Essentially. I'm looking for my answers. And that church family took her in. And from that day forward, she said she lived a completely different life. Mm-hmm. And when I was talking with her, it, it was evident. It was super evident. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the power of the God we serve. And that's why, ultimately, the culture is strained further every, every day. Strained further every, every day. day. Very Sorry. good. What with that segue. said, very good segue. With that said, we want to thank you all for listening. Uh, go ahead and in the comment section below, let us know. Uh, what you thought of today's podcast. Let us know what your best argument is for one of the uh, topics that we had today. Tell us which chair you're coming from as you comment. And uh, if you're an atheist, non-believer, what have you in the comment section, we more than welcome you to jump in down there and tell us uh, what you think. Tell us which argument you had a disagreement with. Come at us from a chair and uh, let's have a conversation. With that said, please like and share this podcast it's just getting started we're out and rolling uh with that hope you have a wonderful day thank you for listening bye 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 god bless